We sadly start today with yet another one of the sorts of mass shooting tragedies that are all too common in the United States. We now believe that according to some reports, 18 people have been killed. According to others, 22 have been killed. Around 50 or more have been injured in and around Lewiston, Maine, in the northeast of the United States. This is not the only mass shooting of the last few days, but it is what we might call the only major mass shooting of national noteworthiness, which is a crazy standard to have. But that's the way it is in the United States, because these are all too common. The latest news from NBC News, uh, at least 18 killed in shootings in Lewiston, Maine. Manhunt is underway as of this moment. Police are looking for a 40 year old man. They have not caught him. This guy is on the loose after attacks at a bowling alley and a bar last night in Lewiston, Maine. Uh, According to NBC News, it's 18 dead, four critically injured and 60 others injured. Other sources say 22 dead and 50 plus injured. We won't know the exact numbers uh, probably for a little while longer, and hopefully there are no more. Uh, Because remember that this is an active manhunt at this point in time. What's happening in this part of Maine? Officials are urging residents of Maine's second largest city, Lewiston, and nearby Auburn to shelter in place. Residents in other communities have been asked to stay put. Many schools and businesses are closed. Police have named a guy named Robert Card, 40 years old. Now, normally we would not name the shooters. In this case, the individual is at large. And saying his name might give some ideas to anyone who knows him or knows of him as to where he might be. So normally I don't give these guys any attention in the sense of their name. It seems relevant here that this is the person of interest. This is the person police are looking for. So if this name rings a bell, if it's someone that is known to you or known to someone, you know, you may actually have information that would be useful. Um, The local county sheriff's office released photos of a man with a rifle. Um, uh, NBC has sent a bunch of people up to Maine. The details are, of course, uh, as horrifying as they are with any of these things about uh, causing panicked public terror situations. And uh, you have businesses that are shut down. L.L. Bean has shut down its headquarters, stores and factories in Maine, saying that they are doing it out of an abundance of caution. Lisbon police in nearby Lisbon, Maine, are saying, um, let us know if you see anything suspicious. Uh, Militarized law enforcement officers are gathering, as you can see in these images. The two locations in question, one slightly north of Lewiston, the just in time recreation bowling alley, one slightly south of Lewiston, Shemenji's Bar and Grill Restaurant. I hope I'm saying that correctly. And then you start to learn about the personal tragedies of the individuals that have been lost. The suspect is believed to be a trained firearms instructor and a U.S. Army Reserve. That's information we have right now. I believe it is accurate. Multiple sources are reporting that if that changes by tomorrow, I will let you know. It is also believed that this individual was recently released from a mental health facility. So there are a number of important things that we can add. Active situation. This is an individual that needs to be caught ongoing. But what is it that we can add beyond just they got to find this guy? First of all, as I mentioned, mass shootings in the United States are really common, really, really common. And so this is a mass shooting that is so particularly heinous that it's making national headlines 
various national media outlets are dispatching the reporters to go to Maine, etc. But um, this so this was Wednesday. There was also a mass shooting on Tuesday in North Carolina, and it made local but not national news. And then on Monday, we had two mass shootings, one in Chicago and one in Colorado. And then on Sunday, we had three mass shootings, one in Louisiana, one in Arkansas, one in Mississippi. They don't all make national news. There are tiers of mass shootings in the United States because these are so, so common. And so remember that for every one of these that does make the news, there's often five, 10, 15 or 20 or even more. If, if it's been two months between national interest mass shootings, there have probably been 50 to 100 mass shootings in that intervening time that you didn't hear about tragedy, unspeakable tragedy. Secondly, um, we also have to look at gun safety laws in Maine. And as we always do, no one law would prevent every shooting, but a group of laws and regulations, many of which I've suggested, would certainly reduce the number. Maine doesn't require background checks on all gun sales. Maine does not have a red flag law where people can be flagged for particular circumstances, including interactions with the mental health system. Maine does not prevent domestic abusers from accessing guns. Maine does not ban assault weapons. Maine does not limit magazine capacity. Maine does not require concealed carry permits. Maine does not restrict open carry. Maine does not have a waiting period. Now, I am not suggesting to you here is the exact one of those provisions that would have prevented this particular guy from having the particular firearms he had on this particular day. But that's a lot of different ways that you can approach different problems within the entire sort of gun sales industrial complex fueled by the NRA and gun manufacturers. So that's what we know about main gun laws. This is what we know about the number of victims and the severity. And this is what we know about the the suspect. Um, hopefully no more life is taken. This guy is caught with a lot of these guys. They have a death wish. They either plan to to take their own lives if and when police get close or to generate a situation where police take their lives. Um, as I always say, I hope that they get this guy alive. And if there is anything to be gleaned or learned from exactly how he got the guns, what it is that that caused him to do this. I believe it's always better to have more information than less. So that's where we are. You now know everything that I know, and we're going to follow it very closely. Fox News propagandist Sean Hannity was interviewing 2024 Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley last night as news of this Lewiston, Maine shooting was breaking. Um, what we know now is that somewhere between 18 and 22 people at least have been killed. There are some who were believed to be in critical condition. I don't know the status of them. I don't know if those for critical condition victims. Um, I don't know that I don't know their status somewhere between 50 and 60 victims. So Fox News propagandist brings on Nikki Haley. And of course, this topic comes up and Sean Hannity, as they are awaiting a press conference from Lewiston, Maine, says that part of his plan to avoid getting shot involves martial arts. I guess he thinks that karate may be something that helps him prevent uh, uh, being the victim of a shooting. These are insane conversations from people who either have no knowledge or interest in actually doing something real to prevent mass shootings. You, you've got uh, it's the peanut gallery. You've got Hannity talking about martial arts, and then later we'll hear Nikki Haley talking about sanctuary cities as if that's what this is about. Take a listen to this. people. 
Um, what, what bothers me in this, it, I could literally probably count the seconds before an incident like this becomes politicized. And that part of it I never like because that's not going to bring back lives. Now, I want to say one thing before we get to Hannity's plan for self-defense here. When they say this is going to become politicized, he means people will say we need gun safety laws. However, it's just as politicizing after a shooting to say we don't need to consider any gun safety laws. Being on the side of saying we need the laws is no more or less political saying than saying we don't need any gun safety laws. But that seems to go over his head. But now let's get to his self-defense plan. And then I always ask the question, when something like this happens, what is your plan? What do you do? Right. I have a personal security plan. I train in mixed martial arts. I've, I've been a big believer in the Second Amendment for a long time with the prayer that I never would ever to use it. Um, Maine happens to be a rural area where people tend to be involved in outdoor sports. So I would imagine a lot of people are going to have a lot of defense issues. All right. So I guess he's saying his plan is guns and martial <clears throat> martial arts. Excuse me. It's not just martial arts, but OK. I mean, good for Hannity. And I'm sure that as a Fox News host, he also has access to other forms of security when he's in, in public events. So then you, you get to Nikki Haley. Now, it, I think it's important to mention it is so dysfunctional. It is so dysfunctional to know that we could simply live in communities where guns are far more rare. We could and where they're restricted in terms of magazine capacity and which guns you can have and how quickly you can get them and what's required to be licensed and whether they get taken away if you've had interactions of certain kinds with the mental health system. We could do that. But instead, it's I'll get my own guns and also learn karate. Wow, that doesn't really seem like what's best for society, though. OK, now we go to Nikki Haley and Nikki Haley on the topic of the mass shooting talks about sanctuary cities, which is really weird. So I would imagine a lot of people are going to have a lot of defense issues. But the bigger question, why? What do you see as the underlying cause of a lot of these shootings? I mean, first of all, Sean, I'll tell you, the world is on fire. I mean, we see it. We see it with wars around the world. OK, so first answer has nothing to do. Now we're talking foreign policy. This is a very specific mass shooting by an individual who probably shouldn't have had guns with a history from what we're reading of, of mental health problems. What is what does foreign policy have to do? We with? see it in our schools. We see it with protests on college campuses. We're seeing it here. But what does this come down to? We have got to start really getting focused and serious. That means we need serious law and order. That uh -huh. means that we need to defund sanctuary cities. But <laughs> that means we need to acknowledge the cancer in America that is mental health. One in three Americans suffers from mental health. If treated, they can live a perfectly normal life. If not, it spirals out. We see more and more young people suffering from stress, depression, and that's leading to addiction. We don't have enough mental health therapists. We don't have enough mental health treatment centers, and we don't have enough addiction centers. And what I'll tell you is we're watching now 80% of our mass shootings are mental health related. So, okay. Now, there's a few things in there. The entire sanctuary city thing is a complete and total red herring. It has nothing to do with this. We're talking about Maine, a state that is is relatively rural by its nature. Um, and th this just has nothing to do with sanctuary cities at all. It's just going through her talking points. 
Now, I agree with her that in a sense, in a sense, anyone who is willing to go out and commit mass murder like this has a mental health problem. Now, this is a different question from are they competent to stand trial? Are you competent to stand trial? Are you not guilty by reason of insanity in a criminal setting? That's different than, of course, no mentally healthy person is going to commit such an act. So the idea that, oh, so many of these things are mental health related, they want you to believe it's only about mental health rather than also being about guns and about gun culture and so many other things. But the real hypocrisy is that Nikki Haley bemoans we don't have enough therapists and we don't have enough clinics and Republicans don't want to fund those things. Republicans are OK with health insurance companies considering mental health treatment totally separate, reimbursing differently or to a lesser degree or not at all. They are part of the problem by not making it so that it is easier and more affordable to have access to also, by the way, um, create earlier stages of intervention. Part of the idea of, you know, when there are certain nonviolent related calls to police, maybe a therapist shows up rather than an armed officer, or maybe they show up together. All of these are mental health ideas that they allude to vaguely whenever they don't want to talk about gun safety but they don't actually want to fund in any serious way. So red herrings, distractions, what about ism and also double standards by saying, here's the problem. Oh, OK, well, let's fund a solution. Oh, no, we can't afford that. That sounds like communism. That sounds like socialism. These are not serious people. We are not going to get solutions with these people. We have to try to get solutions despite them by either circumventing them or finding some other way for them to not stand in the way of what we know needs to be done. So as far as the details of the shooting, we've gone over everything I know at this point, hopefully within very short period of time, they're going to catch this guy. We will then start the grieving process, learning the full scope of the damage that was done, learning what went wrong and then hearing Republicans tell us, even though clearly something did go wrong, we don't really have to do any kind of fixes because those would be infringements on the Second Amendment. That's the cycle. That's what happens every single time. If you're familiar with me and my show, you know that I don't promote crazy supplements, drinkable silver, wacky stuff that right wing shows do. I don't offer miracle cures or anything like that. I promote products that are backed by science and that make sense at the end of the day. That's what our sponsor AG one is. It's really simple. Instead of taking dozens of different vitamins, potentially spending hundreds of dollars on them, what I do is before my morning cappuccino, I have a scoop of AG one in water. Simple. I get the entire day's worth of vitamins, minerals, prebiotics, probiotics. It's in a form that you can absorb and utilize. It tastes good. You can put it in a drink. You can put it in a shake, whatever works for you. Unlike routines that involve all sorts of pills and gummies and the inconvenience and the difficulty of maintaining it. AG one is just foundational nutrition made easy and affordable. I've even gotten some friends and family hooked on AG one because it's just simple. It's simple and more cost effective. Go to drink one dot com slash Pacman. You'll get five free travel packs of AG one 
and a year's supply of vitamin D for free. That's drink. A is in Adam. G is in green. The number one dot com slash Pacman to get five free travel packs of AG one and a free year supply of vitamin D. The link is in the podcast notes. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you to make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without conflict, making a balanced budget, boosting your credit score, saving more money for retirement all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you NerdWallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. If you sit all day long while you work and you've never tried a desk that can transition between sitting and standing, it really is a game changer. I've had an uplift desk for a while. I use it every day to record the show, prepare for the show, do my office work. I'm sitting at an uplift desk at this very moment, and I've been using uplift desks for many years. We wanted them to be a sponsor, and we finally were able to make it happen. Standing while I work helps me get the creative juices flowing. I feel more productive. I'm focused. I'm more alert. And it's also healthier. I'm just moving around more. My circulation is better which is just good for your health. I use the uplift standing desks because they don't wobble totally stable, even with all of my show equipment on them. The build quality is just tremendous and you can completely customize the desk by choosing from over a hundred desktop choices, hundreds of accessories. I have a whole bunch of them, including a USB hub and a keyboard tray and all sorts of things. They have free shipping free returns, free return shipping and an industry leading 15 year warranty. My audience gets 5% off when you go to upliftdesk.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman. That's U P L I F T desk.com slash Pacman. Then use the code Pacman for 5% off. The info is in the podcast notes. I uh, welcome you. I invite you to become a member on my website, joinpacman.com. You know, we really do our own thing. We're not part of some larger media conglomerate. Despite what you hear from looking at YouTube comments, we aren't funded by any left wing billionaires or millionaires or anything like that. I mean, I guess incidentally, we have millionaires in our audience who just have memberships, but we are not the beneficiaries like many media outlets on the right wing are of massive dumps of funding from media conglomerates, investors or uh, billionaires. And so we just depend on people who say, hey, I like this. I'll sign up for a few bucks a month at joinpacman.com. It's really just a few bucks a month, even at full price. But you can use the coupon code four years for indictments to save about 50%. I believe it's exactly 50%, might be 55%. You'll get a daily bonus show, extra show, audio and video feeds with no commercials of the full show every day and a whole bunch of other great goodies. They're not really like the goodies Mark Zuckerberg supposedly asked Trump for that he always talks about. They're goodies we feel are of some real value and enjoyment. OK, so joinpacman.com is the place to do it. The humiliation of the Republican Party's lack of ability or willingness to select a speaker of the House has come to a close and it has come to a close in the most disastrous possible way with the selection of MAGA extremist Mike Johnson.
Mike Johnson has become the Speaker of the House. You might be saying, who the hell is this guy? Well, this is a guy who spread many of the same corrosive lies that Trump spread about the 2020 election. This is a guy who once wrote in favor of criminalizing homosexuality. This is a guy who is the worst of the worst of the worst of the Republican Party. And he indeed has won. He indeed has won. NBC reports House Speaker Mike Johnson played a key role in efforts to overturn the 2020 election. He led an amicus brief in support of a Texas lawsuit looking to overturn Joe Biden's 2020 victory in four battleground states. This is some of the most extreme of extreme Republicans at this point in time. It is also reported new Speaker of the House Mike Johnson once wrote in support of the criminalization of gay sex. Isn't that some beautiful small government conservatism or something like that? A right wing activist, Benny Johnson, celebrated a bunch of things that he likes about Mike Johnson. Let's take a look at the list. You'll see it's a pretty dystopian list posting, quote, who is Mike Johnson of Louisiana? He's America first and MAGA. Not good. He's an ally of the House Freedom Caucus. That's an extreme group in the in the House. His mentor is Jim Jordan, the guy who did nothing about serial sexual assault at Ohio State when he worked there. He served as legal defense for Trump during both impeachment trials, one of the most deranged groups I can imagine being a member of. He voted against all Ukraine spending after the initial bill. He has an F rating for Republicans for Ukraine. He objected to certifying the 2020 election and he called for Nancy Pelosi's arrest when she visibly and comically ripped up Trump's State of the Union address on camera. That is a scary list for sure. Um, This is a guy who has pushed the there are post birth abortions lie. He insisted Trump won in January of 2020. He said January 6th was a legitimate protest. He said COVID was a hoax and vaccines are dangerous, that Social Security is a Ponzi scheme, that Medicare should be cut, that climate change is a hoax. This guy is a serious MAGA extremist. And if you don't believe me or you're not convinced by that list, you need only look at the completely lunatic speech that was all about scripture, scripture that maybe is relevant to him but certainly has no place in civil government. Given the separation of church and state outlined by the Constitution of the United States, here was Mike Johnson's speech heavy on God, heavy on scripture. Listen to this. I don't believe there are any coincidences in a matter Uh like this. I believe that scripture, the Bible is very clear, right? That that God is the one that raises up those in authority. He raised up each of you, all of us. And, and I believe that God has ordained and allowed each one of us to be brought here for this specific moment in this time. Mm. This is my belief. I believe that each one of us has a huge responsibility today to use uh. the gifts that God has given us to serve the extraordinary people of this great country, and they deserve it, and to ensure that our republic remains standing as the great beacon of light and hope and freedom in a world that desperately needs it. This is a dangerous religious ideologue just from one religion. Right. And he is again going first to this is all about scripture and the glory of God. And by the way, 
Check out how creepy this is. I'm I'm cringing just by even saying this. Mike Johnson talked about how his wife was worn out from spending the last few weeks on her knees. These do these people have no ability to consider how bizarre they seem when they say this crap. She spent the last uh, couple of weeks on her knees in prayer to the Lord, and um, she's a little worn out. She spent she's a little worn out. Uh, presented without comment. All right. That that's uh, that that's why she wasn't there. Apparently now, of course, Donald Trump is attempting to take credit for Mike Johnson. Uh, Mike Johnson is a very MAGA aligned guy, so it makes sense that Trump would be happy. But that's not enough for Trump. Trump also has to take credit. It has to be all because of him. First and foremost, here is Trump uh, coming out of or going into court yesterday and saying good things about Mike Johnson. Why? Well, because Mike Johnson is a MAGA believer. That's why. By the way, he's respected by none of the Democrats and only by some Republicans. Interestingly, it looks like he's really good. I haven't had one negative comment about him. Everybody likes him. He's respected by all. And that's something we need. And uh, it looks like that's going to happen. So that'll be a wonderful thing. I put out a group today on him. Yep. He put out a truth. And then, of course, that was probably actually what pushed pushed a Johnson's candidacy over the edge. Troth, central. Yeah, Trump's troth. All right. And then later, of course, Trump taking credit, Trump taking credit for this, saying, hey, listen, I was happy to help him. I just want to congratulate Mike Johnson. He will be a great speaker of the House, and we were very happy to help. I've known him for a long time. He's a tremendous <laughs> leader and a tremendous man. comes from a wonderful place, Louisiana. He's going to be, uh, he's going to make us all proud. So at this time yesterday, nobody was thinking of Mike. And then we put out the word and now he's the speaker of the house. So I want to just uh, it's Trump put out the word. And next thing you know, this guy's speaker. Thank all of the supporters that I have. And I want to thank all of the supporters that Mike has. And again, he'll be a great speaker. I think you're going to be very proud of him. All right. Anyway, so uh, basically it's this guy supports every lie I told. So I like him. And also he should thank me because I'm really the guy who got him elected. The big story here, and we're going to look at a Matt Gates clip in order to sort through this. The big story is MAGA is very much still in power. And this alleged criminal Donald Trump is in full control of one of the two major parties of the United States. Let's talk about that next. After the election of MAGA cuckoo, Mike Johnson to Speaker of the House yesterday, radical and repugnant reactionary Republican Congressman Matt Gates appeared on Steve Bannon's program. Now, I'm not a fan of Matt Gates. I think on a personal level, he's despicable. I think on a legislative level, he's an extreme radical who rarely has seen a bad idea he doesn't like. However, the statement that Matt Gates made to Steve Bannon cannot be denied, which is when you see Speaker of the House go from Kevin McCarthy to Mike Johnson. That tells you that MAGA is very much in power. Here's Gates explaining it, and he's right. It is going to be a great moment for the House. And you know what? At the very end, when some people didn't know if they could still even bring back McCarthy, a few of them just left the room and didn't vote. And the swamp is on the run. MAGA is ascendant. And if, if you don't think that moving from Kevin McCarthy to MAGA Mike Johnson shows the ascendance of this movement, 
and where the power in the Republican Party truly lies, yep. uh, then then you're not paying attention. But they are they are crying, they are hand wringing and bedwetting over on K Street because we have an honorable, righteous, righteous man uh, who is about to take this position. He's going to do great things for the country. All right. So the deification of Mike Johnson aside, <laughs> Matt Gates is correct. Okay. We knew that MAGA was still in power among the electorate. What do I mean by that? Well, you look at the polling, Republican primary polling, and you see that with every indictment, Donald Trump actually gets more and more support. OK, and now if we if we look, Trump is at a record high. Trump is this purple line at the top of the screen. Fifty nine point one percent of the entire Republican electorate supports Trump for the nominee right now. So we knew that MAGA was still in power among the voters. The question was, is MAGA still in enough control in the House of Representatives that they can get a MAGA nut job speaker that they, they were there were enough of them to join Democrats to get McCarthy out. But can they build consensus around someone to get them in? And I know that not every single Republican in the House who voted for Johnson yesterday did so because they actually think Johnson's the right choice. Many of them did it because they realized this is becoming a humiliation. We need a speaker. The risk of it ultimately going to Hakeem Jeffries or a Democrat is too great. Let's just vote for whoever they put forward. And they said, all right, we're going to vote for this MAGA guy, some liking it, some just sort of accepting it. But it is absolutely the case that Trump, who is not in office, is under four criminal indictments, multiple civil fraud trials, has been found to be a civilly liable rapist who was uh, walking around showing classified documents to different people. I mean, the worst of the worst of the worst. A guy, by the way, who since he won in 2016 hurt Republicans in 2018, in 2020 and in 2022, a guy who arguably has not been good for the party. He from the the bully pulpit outside of his courtrooms where he's uh, facing trials is still controlling the Republican Party. That is the incredible revelation. And what this will do for Republicans in 2024, we don't know. If the trend continues, listen, Trumpism was not good for, for Republicans in 18, 20 and 22. If that trend continues, it won't be good in 2024. But you never know. Things can reverse. Anything can happen. So MAGA gets its way. Zoom out for the last month. They kick out a speaker that is not ultra MAGA and they put in a speaker that is ultra MAGA. Um, that is what we have seen over the last three weeks. What will they do now with the House of Representatives back up and running? I have a few guesses. It remains to be seen. We'll probably talk about it more tomorrow or Monday. We'll take a quick break. Make sure you're signed up on YouTube. We are super close to two million YouTube subscribers like that. It's happening. Uh, so make sure you're one of the two million and uh, we'll take a quick break and be right back. One of our sponsors today is Deal Dash. Deal Dash is an auction website. It's been around 14 years. You might have seen their ads on TV. Deal Dash only auctions brand new items. You can get incredible deals. A Nintendo Switch sold for $22 recently. Deal Dash auctions anything from iPads to clothing, autograph memorabilia, you name it. And here's how it works you buy bids up front, for example, 30 bucks for 400 bids. Every auction starts at zero dollars. There's no minimum. And each bid increases the price by a penny. If no one bids only 10 seconds after you bid, 
you win the auction. I found an awesome chair on Deal Dash that's going to look great in my office. I'm bidding on it right now. It's sort of fun. If you don't win the item, you can use the buy it now feature to buy the item at the listed price and you get your bids back and you have a 90 day money back guarantee on your first bid pack purchase. So try it out. Use my promo code Pacman for 100 free bids with your first bid pack purchase or go to deal dash.com slash Pacman. The info is in the podcast notes. Have you seen these people search sites? It's a big data privacy problem in the United States. They publish personal profiles on millions of Americans for people to see. It's crazy. They can show your address, your Internet activity, license plate can be there, even your political and religious beliefs. People buy and sell this information about you, and sometimes it's even shown online for free without you being aware. Our sponsor Incogni is a powerful platform that will simplify this whole process for you. You create an account on Incogni. Within a minute, they go to work getting your data taken down from these data broker databases. They'll keep you updated every step of the way. They'll handle disputes or websites that try to refuse to take your info down. It can cut down on robocalls. It can make you less susceptible to scams. Even identity theft is a risk that they can help mitigate. Folks, you do not want this type of personal information floating around out there. Let Incogni take care of it for you. The first hundred people to use the promo code Pacman get 60% off when you go to incogni.com slash Pacman. That's I N C O G N I.com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman for 60% off. The info is in the podcast notes. All right. As I told you earlier, the new Speaker of the House selected yesterday by Republicans, Mike Johnson, is an election denier. He is someone who repeated the most uh, outrageous and obviously wildly and obviously debunked claims about the 2020 election that Donald Trump really won, that Joe Biden stole it, that there was election fraud, et cetera. After his election to the House of Representatives, uh, to the Speaker of the House of Representatives yesterday, he not only made a statement on the floor of the House, he also had sort of like a press conference type of thing. And um, a reporter rightly brought up the issue of his election denial and his activism to try to circumvent the results of the election. And um, he was just uh, the, uh, rather she the reporter was just shouted down. I'm going to play some of this video for you. Here it is um, asked about his efforts to overturn the election result. And you'll see the Republicans crowded around him. You see Elise Stefanik, you see Lauren Boebert. Um, you also see Virginia Fox in the bottom right of the screen, who's the one that just starts yelling at the reporter. Take a look at this. Shut up, shut up. Next question. Laughing off a really good question. What we saw in 2020 into 2021 was one of the most brazen attempts to interfere with the peaceful transition of power in the United States. The idea is if you win, you get to hold office. Joe Biden won and therefore he should have been allowed to hold office. And uh, people like Mike Johnson and Trump and all the insurrectionists tried to prevent that from happening. And now he is given the most powerful gavel in the House of Representatives, which is that of being Speaker of the House. Reporters are rightly asking about it. 
and they get shouted down. Here's a zoom of Virginia Fox, who uh, <laughs> she really didn't like this line of questioning. You ask your question. Go away. We're not go doing policy. Go away, go away, go away. Freedom of the press, respect for media, all that sort of stuff. It's critical to understand that if Trump wins, there will be more of this. And I know it's sounding like a broken record now, but when they tell us what they plan to do, we should believe them because they will at least try to do it. And it has been made abundantly clear where Trump has said we're going to investigate media outlets. Maybe Comcast shouldn't be allowed on the air. We're going to look at using the, part, the Department of Justice to target my political enemies. There, there's this long list of things that they're going to do. Part of it is a total disdain for a free press, as evidenced here by the reaction, shouting down a reporter, just asking obvious and simple questions. They're going to try this stuff if they get into power. And so I'm fortunately hearing from more and more people who are saying, you know, this whole talk of am I excited to vote for Biden or not? It's less about excitement. It's about it is my civic duty to prevent someone like Trump from getting into office again. That's what I'm excited about. Biden's 80. OK, uh, it is an existential threat to democracy for someone like Trump to get four more years. And you can sure as hell bet I'm going to be excited to prevent that. It's a good thing that I'm hearing that from a lot of people in the audience. That seems to me like the right perspective. A completely insane day in court yesterday for the failed former president, Donald Trump, a visibly neon orange Trump stormed out of the courtroom, wildly triggered by the testimony of his own former lawyer, Michael Cohen, then find another 10,000 for violating a gag order by Judge Ngoron. Uh, tried to bring him to the stand and Trump just wanders out. This is nuts. And we have video. So look at what happened. The Hill reports Trump leaves courtroom in a huff after Cohen contradicts testimony in New York fraud trial. The second day of Michael Cohen's testimony was suddenly overshadowed Wednesday when a judge asked former Trump to a uh, former President Trump to take the witness stand to discuss the violation of a gag order in which the former president was asked not to speak about anyone overseeing the case for fear of death threats. Trump was fined another 10 grand shortly thereafter, with the judge citing statements Trump made to the media. Trump ultimately left the courtroom in a huff after Michael Cohen appeared to contradict his testimony on whether he had ever ordered he was ever ordered to inflate Trump's assets. This is truly incredible stuff, truly, truly incredible stuff. So let's go to the first video. Here is Trump storming out breathlessly neon orange. We don't know why. I guess now he's changed color to maybe it's dark lighting in the court and he wants to be more orange. Look at this insanity. This is the former president storming out of a court after being fined 10K and flipping out as his former lawyer testifies. Look at this. The witness just admitted that we won this trial. That's not the role of a witness. Witnesses just testify and the judge should end the trial immediately. 
Trump giving another statement in which he was asked about all of the different plea deals that co-defendants are taking down in Georgia. Trump just sort of acts like I don't really know much about it, but it doesn't have anything to do with me. So it's the same stuff on repeat. But essentially, Trump is saying he's not worried at all about the fact that everybody else so far uh, who has who has seen their case adjudicated in, in Georgia uh, has taken a plea and has pleaded guilty. Then here is Donald Trump, bright orange, appearing to violate the gag order again. Trump simply will not stop attacking the people that the gag order says you're not supposed to attack. He's been fined five thousand dollars. He's now been fined ten thousand dollars. He probably should be jailed at this point for violating the gag order. But here is Trump once again. Mr. Trump should have never been brought. But if we had a jury, it would have been fair, at least, even if it was a somewhat negative jury, because no negative jury would vote against it. But this judge will, because this judge is a very partisan judge with a person who's very partisan sitting alongside of him. This is a very partisan judge with someone who's very partisan sitting alongside of him. Now, this is obviously about Judge Ngoron's clerk. Trump has already been admonished. Do not talk about her. Do not talk about her. Later, Trump, I guess, claims to say he was referring to Michael Cohen as the person sitting next to the judge. It, it makes no sense. No, no serious person would believe that's what Trump meant here. Yes, even much more partisan than he is. So uh, we are doing very well. The facts are speaking very loud. Uh, he's a totally discredited witness. And you haven't seen anything yet. This goes on for a long time. He's a totally discredited witness. All right. So Trump again appearing to violate the limited gag order. Certainly, even if you believe that he was talking about Michael Cohen and not the clerk, he is attacking the judge once again. Trump then uh, starts making this argument. Oh no, no, I didn't. I wasn't referring to the clerk. What's happened inside the courtroom right now? What? What's happened inside the courtroom right now? I guess Trump not uh, not not liking not liking that question. Um, and then we did hear from Michael Cohen. Here is Michael Cohen uh, giving his thoughts after testimony. This was shortly after 4 p.m. New York time yesterday. Michael Cohen finishing the second day of testimony asked, what did you see in Trump? And Cohen says, I see a defeated man. That's what I see. When you look him in the eye, Michael, what did you see? I saw a defeated man. I saw somebody that knows that it's the end of the Trump organization already found guilty of fraud. The license will ultimately be taken. And now this entire case is merely about how much 
This is merely about how much disgorgement the attorney general will be seeking. That's right. Uh, disgorgement, an important legal term, which I actually had to look up. I just from the term, I thought it might have meant something completely different when it comes to Trump and just being super swollen. But it doesn't. It has to do with the criminal uh, rather the financial uh, penalties um, that would be required of Trump. So listen, this is this is where we are right now. And if you think this is wild and it is, I mean, Trump storming out of court, being fined multiple times and threatened with jail for violating a gag order, his own former lawyer sitting feet away from him and testifying and the drama and Trump's own lawyers taking guilty pleas in other criminal trials. This is like nothing we have ever seen before. It's like nothing I've covered before. It's like nothing that even I mean, listen, seven years ago, I don't know that anyone would have even imagined this. We imagined incompetent leadership. We imagined being a joke globally because of Trump as president. But I don't know that any of us imagined this. But this is where we are. And if you think this is nuts, which it is, just wait until the criminal trials start, because right now Trump is sitting there and he's getting flustered and he's in a huff and he's getting mad because at the tail end of this, he may be told you've got to cough up a bunch of money because of what you did, because this is a civil trial in the four criminal trials. It's going to be Trump realizing what these witnesses are saying could put me in prison for life based on his health and age and the number of charges and the penalties for many of those charges. So whatever behavior we see Trump exhibit during this civil trial is only a shade of a preview of what Trump is going to be doing during the criminal trials, which to the extent that they are televised and the extent that we can um, uh, bring them to you live, I certainly plan to hard to imagine anything more historic than the multiple criminal trials of a former president. Um, so that's where we are right now. Now, we had great GDP numbers released this morning. I do want to talk about them because this is actually a big, big story and the reaction to it has been also an interesting element of this. So let's take a quick break. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Help push us to two million YouTube subscribers and we'll be back before you know it. So much of the news media that we consume is corporately owned with all kinds of financial and political interests that influence the reporting. And our sponsor Ground News takes every source for every news story, breaks down who owns the media outlet, shows you how the story is being spun across the political spectrum. For example, I'm looking at this story about Republicans in Congress trying to pass a law to keep Palestinian refugees out of the US. Ground News shows us here the great article that The Hill wrote about it. But besides that, only right wingers are reporting about it. Fox News, Breitbart, Washington Times, probably because it's something their readers will love and will eat up. Ground News lets you see how Breitbart's headline for the story is twisted to bash Joe Biden. This is an extraordinary tool for comparing coverage, for helping you spot sensational content, identify the facts, especially with, for example, this escalation of the Hamas Israel war that is taking place. Extraordinarily contentious issue. Language and perspective really matter here. When you go to ground.news slash Pacman, you'll get 30% off their vantage plan, which gives you unlimited access for around five bucks a month. They also have a plan that costs under a dollar a month. That's ground.news slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes.
Well, you know what good economic news means for Joe Biden. This is really a problem. Might the economy be doing too well? I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we'll get to that in a moment. Um, New GDP numbers released this morning. United States GDP third quarter grew at a four point nine percent annual pace, better than expected, the fastest growth rate in nearly two years. Gross. This is CNBC GDP, a measure of all goods and services produced in the U.S. rose at a four point nine percent annualized pace in Q3 ahead of the four point seven percent estimate. The sharp increase came because of contributions from consumer spending, increased inventories, exports, residential investment and government spending. Um, This is if you look at uh, historical numbers in Q2, it was 2.1 percent in Q1. It was 2.2. The end of last year, 2.6 and 2.7. Of course, we had those GDP declines in the first half of 2022 and then uh, also very strong numbers uh, in most of 2021. Now, you would think this is good news. Are there ways in which GDP growth can be, quote, bad. Well, it depends on what you mean by bad. We're going to do a deep dive on this in a moment. But you have to see the video from Fox News and uh, Maria Bartiromo this morning bringing in anyone she can to try to explain why this is all bad. You will see and hear the Fox hosts first shocked by this really good number. And then you will hear the real. I I just love it when they go this way. This could employment be too un- could unemployment be too low? Could the economy be too good? They actually pull this out, but I'm going to pretend that they're serious people and we're going to analyze it. But let's listen. This is so funny. Right, the, the GDP is out. I want to get right now to Jerry Willis and get that breaking news. Jerry. Yeah, Maria, that's right. We've got GDP at 4.9 percent. That is the first street on third quarter GDP. That is a Uh-oh. surprise on the upside. We had been expecting consensus was 4.3 percent. You can see that's a big positive number. The Dow continues in negative territory ahead of the open here. Look at this. 4.9 percent is well over twice second quarter GDP, which was 2.1 percent. First quarter GDP, GDP 2 percent. So you can see some really strong expansion here, mostly due to consumers, as you've been talking about right now. Retail sales, of course, have been uh, strong looking in the rearview mirror. Uh-oh. There was one stronger forecast out there. The Atlanta Fed, their GDP now forecast was 5.4 percent for the quarter. This quarter, of course, July to September, GDP the broadest read on economic growth. But wow, what a stunner actual coming in at four point nine percent. Maria. All right, Jerry, thanks very much. Markets are actually off of the lows are down to one oh nine on the Dow Industrials, down one oh four on the Nasdaq. And I am talking with Keith Banks this morning. And Keith, you know, when you. Yeah, let's see what Keith has to say about this. See a number like this. I know you said you're probably going to see the Fed take another pause next week. But does this, you think, have enough juice? to actually move the Fed's thinking for the following meeting. That's the December meeting. It, it could well. I mean, it depends on, I mean, this is backward looking, right? Yeah. So number one, they're going to say that's interesting. And it is a big number. As Jerry said, wow, 4.9%. Uh, but I think they'll look and say, what are the indicators as they look into the fourth quarter and beyond? But at some point, we need to see a cooling off of the economy. Uh, and we need to see 
in our view, a, a slackening in the labor markets. It's hard mm. to believe we can start the next cycle with in, with unemployment below 4% and not have- It's too low. The economy's too hot. Unemployment's too low. To worry that very quickly, you're gonna to start to see wages reflective of that if, if, if activity begins to pick up sustainably. So this is all great to see, but at some point we do need to see additional cooling. Yeah, the, the economy can't remain this good for this long. Now, these are not serious people. Let's have a serious discussion about this. This is not a partisan discussion. This is just what it is. First, I know some people here. OK, good GDP number doesn't seem to affect me. I'm still in my same job. I'm still earning the same amount of money. Why is this good for me? Even if you as an individual don't immediately feel the impact of GDP growth, there are a number of different ripple effects when you see GDP growth numbers. In general, there are more job opportunities that come up as GDP goes up. Uh, you see uh, companies open up and, and look to do more hiring. This both gives opportunities for uh, uh, movement from one company to another, potentially with higher wages. And also in general, it can put upward pressure on wages as employees start to have uh, more options. Improved public services, if if we are investing the economic growth in improving public services. I mean, this is sort of like where the money comes from. It comes from as a country uh, growing GDP that increases the tax base and then you can do stuff with that money. So if it's if it's done in the right way by responsible governments, GDP growth is then used to improve quality of life and overall well-being of the population. So it is something that is desirable uh, when businesses grow, which is what GDP growth means they often require more employees or make more investments in companies who themselves have employees. So there's this economic multiplier effect. It's like super, super basic stuff. And then you've got the tax collection part. You increase the tax base when GDP is up. Now, what about the ways that this could? And, and by the way, GDP growth tends to reduce poverty levels. And there's all these sort of obvious benefits to why uh, when we look at an economy using the standard approach, a growth approach, which is, you know, there are limits to that approach, which I concede and I've talked about, but that's why we would consider it to be good and why it's good for there to be low unemployment, because it means there are fewer people that are out there unable to participate meaningfully in life and the economy because they don't have a job, et cetera. Now, is it possible that too much growth too quickly and unemployment being to quote too low for too long? Can there be negative aspects to it? Of course there can. In general, too much of anything is potentially bad. Uh, the demand that is generated by GDP growth can cause inflation. And then the inflation can get out of control and go beyond the wage growth and GDP growth. It can cause an inflationary spiral to have sustained periods of high GDP growth. Um, you can get a situation where you get an asset bubble like in stocks or in real estate and then bubbles can pop. Right now, I mean, real estate prices seem to be down or at least flat, so it doesn't seem to be happening right now. But you can get those bubbles as a result of sustained high GDP growth. Businesses might overextend themselves thinking things are going to be this good indefinitely. And of course, nothing is forever in, in our economy. And they end up overextended, either taking on too much debt or expanding too quickly or whatever the case may be. Um, you can see the GD, the benefits of the GDP growth go disproportionately to the very rich. That often happens in the United States. Uh, so that could be you. That's not Fox's concern, by the way, but that is something that can happen. And so what you do in that case is you raise interest rates in order to cool the economy. The problem is Fox has often been critical 
of the policy of the Fed and raising interest rates. So they want to have it every single way and ha they, they want to have all of their cakes and eat them, too. They also want to say if GDP goes down, that's bad. And if GDP goes up, that's bad. And if unemployment is low, that's bad because of this reason. And if the Fed is cutting interest rates or raising interest rates, it, no matter what, it's bad is the point. So bottom line, GDP growth and low unemployment are signs of a strong economy in general. If it gets to an overheated situation, they can generate future instability, which, by the way, is an inherent part of the type of economy that we have. Fox is not going to be the place to seriously analyze this stuff as they prove once again. They just want to do partisan attacks on Joe Biden no matter what. If Biden's the president, then the numbers must be bad, at least in some way. Uh, a lawyer and former solicitor general, Neil Katyal, is uh, has just delivered some devastating news to Donald Trump about the flipping of his own former chief of staff, Mark Meadows. We suspected this was a bad sign for Trump. And according to Neil Katyal, indeed it is. Newsweek reports Mark Meadows has gutted Donald Trump. Here's the explanation, the summary. Donald Trump's ex White House chief of staff, Mark Meadows, may have gutted the former president. If reports he was granted immunity to testify in the federal election interference case are accurate, according to an attorney, as we reported yesterday, we believe that those reports are indeed accurate. Neil Katyal, lawyer and former acting U.S. Solicitor General, reacted to an ABC News report alleging that Meadows secured an immunity deal before giving evidence to Jack Smith, where Trump has pleaded not guilty to four charges. The report states Meadows repeatedly told Trump there was no evidence of widespread fraud, which cost you the race against Joe Biden. It said Meadows told fe told federal prosecutors he believed Trump was being dishonest when in the early hours of November 4th, 2020, he went out and said, frankly, we did win this election. And what Katyal is now saying is that this is potentially really, really bad for Trump. When sharing an extract of that ABC News report, Katyal posted on the platform formerly known as Twitter. Meadows went before a gr federal grand jury under an immunity arrangement and appears to have gutted Trump in the process. Um, it amuses me incredibly that Trump seems surprised that people are flipping. Trump, to some degree, seems shocked that people that he has essentially abandoned, thrown under the bus, not helped with legal defense funds other than Rudy, I guess that one dinner that he did. He's had zero loyalty to anyone, yet he demands unflinching loyalty towards him. That guy now seems surprised or even in disbelief that people are flipping on him. The rats he hired are abandoning the ship and working for their own self-preservation, as almost anybody would when there is no reason to remain loyal to someone who is not loyal to you. Trump seems to be the last guy to have learned that this is what was going to happen when all along every legal expert has been saying, you know, not everybody has the bully pulpit of Trump. Not everybody has the lawyers of Trump. Not everybody has the money of Trump. Not everybody has potentially arguments of the style that Trump makes regarding why he shouldn't or can't be prosecuted in this way or in that way. So it makes sense that unless Trump really swoops in to help these people fund and generate viable defenses, that they're going to flip. And if they flip, 
it's potentially a disaster for Donald Trump. That's what we're seeing right now. And Meadows is sort of the cherry on top in that Trump's entire worldview revolves around himself. He doesn't have the capacity to conceive of the possibility that someone else's worldview might revolve around themselves. Mark Meadows life is about Mark Meadows and his family. It's especially now no longer about Donald Trump. Trump seems shocked by it, but this is now what he's facing and it is potentially going to be devastating. We will be following it as we follow all of the criminal trials. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. Here's an interesting call. This this caller seems surprised that I'm, quote, keeping my life together. This is interesting. Let's take a listen to this. Hi, David. With all the success of your show and being a young man, right. having cash, how do you keep your life together? You seem to <laughs> um, have it together. You have a kid with an unmarried uh, woman with no oh baby mama drama, as far as I know. I never said she wasn't married. I just said she wasn't married to me. Oh. Um, I don't think you're on drugs, although the way your shirt bunches on up in the front, I, I can't really tell because you don't have those. No, listen, he's right that I'm not on drugs. Trafford shirts anymore. So sometimes it looks like you are. But um, yeah. Anyway, I'm not doing anything special. You know, I try. <laughs> I've given my list. I try to walk 10,000 steps a day and get to the gym or, or exercise outside four times a week. I take breaks from news. I, uh, <laughs> you know, try to eat healthy and all that stuff. I, I don't think I have any special insights, really, but I'm glad that it appears at least to this gentleman and he is a, a real gentleman. I'm glad it at least appears to him that uh, I'm keeping it all together. I appreciate that. All right. We have a really good bonus show for you today. Sam Bankman Freed appears to be planning to testify in his own defense. This is a really risky legal move, particularly because of some characteristics of Bankman Freed. I recently read Michael Lewis's book about the entire FTX collapse. Very interesting. We'll, we'll talk about it on the bonus show. I actually have a lot to say about it. Secondly, Florida Governor Ron DeSanctimonious has banned a pro-Palestinian group altogether from state campuses. Which group and what the hell is the Sanctus doing? We will discuss that. And thirdly, U.S. Democratic Congressman Jamal Bowman has been criminally charged for pulling the fire alarm at the Capitol several weeks ago. We covered that story at the time. I will tell you what has he been charged with? What happened? What is the likely outcome? All of those stories and more on today's bonus show. A David Pacman membership costs six bucks a month. Right. Oh, the bonus show where you want to make money. Mm. Everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad. Yeah. So we are going to have all of this on today's bonus show, which you can sign up for at joinpacman.com. It's the only place to do it, except no substitutions. Joinpacman.com is the only place to sign up. I hope to see you then. Otherwise, I'll come back and do another show tomorrow.